chosen you out of the world. You did not choose me. I chose you. I have given you all authority and power. You shall receive my power and be my witness. You shall be strong and do great exploits. You shall be bold. You shall be fearless. You shall stand in my name. You shall be... Amen. Glad you're here with us today. Be a part of what God's doing here at Vertical Church. It's good to see some sunshine, huh? Yeah, finally. Man, awesome. Um, yeah, our family tried to uh, make it out to the state fair yesterday. Wow. Along with all of Dallas County, Tarrant County, Ellis County, it was just crazy. Oh, man. I've never taken so many baby steps in all my life in the same amount of time. It was crazy just trying to walk everywhere. It was just insane. So... I'm glad to be here this morning. It's awesome. So I read the story about a, a man who lived in a very remote part of the country. In fact, it was so remote that he didn't have electricity at his house. It's hard to imagine anyone that doesn't have electricity at their house, but he didn't. But he began a quest to try to get electricity at his house, understandably. So uh, he worked diligently. And finally, the electric company came out, installed a pole, gave him electricity, at his house. So some time passed and uh, the electric company began to notice that there just wasn't much activity. His bills were just incredibly low. And they thought, I wonder if something's wrong. I wonder if we should go out and check on him just to make sure. I mean, he's way out there. Maybe, maybe he's having trouble and he can't get it to work like he needs to. So they sent someone out when the meter reading time came. The guy goes out to find out what is wrong. How come you're not using much electricity? He said, Are you, do you have electricity? Are you using it? And the man said, yes, I, I'm using it. It's great. He said, every night when it gets dark, I turn on the lamp to see how to light my candles, and then I turn it right back off. <laughs> wow. Here was a guy who had all the power he needed to be able to do all kind of things, but he used it for such a little thing, to light his candle, and then he turned it right back off. I have to wonder sometimes if we are not like that man when it comes to the power of God. There's far more at our disposal than we realize. There's far more available than what we are utilizing. There's far more available than what we have been designed by God to experience and use. But we use it for so little in our lives. We're looking at a man in scripture who is known for tapping into the power of God. Who is known as one that God worked through. That man's name is Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there to kind of get ahead of the game here, you can this morning. Daniel chapter 9 is where we are. Our series is called Dauntless. We've been looking at what it takes to have faith that will stay firm, that will stay true, that will stay dauntless in the task, no matter what is against you, no matter what, what tries to stop you, no matter what pressure, no matter what temptation comes your way, you stay faithful, courageous, and dauntless in the process. As we look in Daniel chapter 9, we find that Daniel is a much older man now. We've been uh, tracking with him ever since he was a teenager, captured in his uh, homeland and taken away. He's now living in a foreign land. He's been there for a long time, some almost 70 years or so. 
wow, that sounds awesome. Let's just keep that going. He's been there for quite a while, and uh, maybe that'll start up again. That was great. No. <clears throat> so he's been there, and God has shown himself faithful through Daniel through the whole process. He has been in situations where he's been pressured to give in, and he hasn't. He's been in situations where he's had to stand alone, and he has. And when it could have cost him his life, he chose not to give up or give in. And today we find Daniel is a much older man. We find Daniel praying for his own people. You see, his people have been captured. They've been taken away from the land that they grew up in. It would be like um, today. Let's just assume today that the worst of our fears were realized. And a foreign country came in and took over the United States of America. And they took from our finest young men and they took them back to their homeland. And there they began a process of retraining them in their ways, teaching them their language, their culture, their history, their goals. So they'd eat their food, drink their wine. Who would be the one as a young man who would say, you may capture me physically, but you will not capture my heart. I will be faithful to my God. And this is what Daniel does. Daniel chapter 9 is where we are today. And Daniel, as you read the first couple of verses there, and, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter today. I've got some selected verses we're going to look at. But you look in first, verses 1 and 2, you find Daniel is reading from the book of Jeremiah. Isn't it crazy that a guy in the Bible is reading the Bible? That's really what's happening here. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. He's reading about what happens when God brings judgment upon his people, and he realizes this applies to them. And in the scripture there, it reads that his people would be kept for 70 years from their homeland. They, 70 years they would be in bondage. 70 years, and then God would bless them because their hearts would break and they'd be repentant. But Daniel is looking around the 70 years is almost up. And Daniel takes just a survey of the land in Babylon where even his people are, and he realizes they're not anywhere near close to being repentant. They're not anywhere near close to being broken for their sin. You see, their sin is what got them in the situation they're in today. They had begun worshiping idols. They had turned away from God. And so where they find themselves today is in a place where they are slaves in a foreign land because they would not submit to God. And God is bringing some discipline upon them. God's bringing some correction upon them. And his people have not repented. Yet Daniel has been faithful. Daniel has kept trusting. Yet those he loves the most, their hearts are still far from God. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you've really made your heart right with God, you've done your best to repent of your sin and follow him, and yet you're still waiting for that spouse, that child, that family member to come to Christ, to repent, to turn, to want to restore and make the marriage great, to want to reconcile the relationship. Have you ever been part of a, a country where it feels like everybody else is running as fast as they can away from God 
Hello? While you're trying to run as fast as you can to God? Yeah, so this message gets very relevant for us today. Because I think everybody in the room can relate to that. We know somebody, and we happen to live in a nation that is doing its best to run from God. And we're doing our best to try to run to God. What Daniel does in this passage serves as the model for what we are called to do. Daniel chapter 9 is a story of dauntless prayer. Regardless of what's going on, Daniel is going to stay faithful. Daniel chapter 9 verse 3 is where I'll begin today. After Daniel realizes what's happening, after Daniel realizes his people haven't repented, after Daniel realizes the end of the time, the end of the 70 years is coming, we get to verse 3 and it says this, Then I, Daniel, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You see, Daniel's the kind of guy at some 90 years old at this point, that if he were in the room and we were talking about matters of faith, everybody would want to hear what Daniel has to say. He's walked with God. He's proven himself. God has shown himself faithful through Daniel. And Daniel's a guy that you're like, man, I want to hear everything that Daniel says. Everybody be quiet for just a moment. Daniel's about to answer the question. I want to hear what Daniel's saying. Let's go over here so we can hear Daniel talk for just a little bit. He's that guy in the room. You know what I'm talking about? There's, you go into a room and there's people there and there's certain people you think, I want to go over and hear what they're saying. This is the guy that God has shown himself faithful to and through. And so here's Daniel. And when he looks at the condition of his people in a foreign land under judgment, the first thing Daniel says is, I got to pray. I've got to start praying. And not just a simple prayer. I've got to set my face toward God. I've got to make a request. I've got to fast. I've got to get in sackcloth and ashes, which is a way of repenting in the Old Testament, of putting yourself in an uncomfortable spot so that it might show your heart being torn for others. Daniel doesn't gossip about his people. He doesn't let anger get to him about his people. He doesn't let depression set in about his people. He goes to pray, and it says in verse 4, And I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. I started confessing, Daniel says. He didn't complain. He started with confession. He didn't criticize. He started with confession. He didn't condemn them. He started with confession. And please note, so far what we're seeing is Daniel says, I did this. I started with my confession. I prayed and I made things right with God first. Our first big truth this morning is this, that dauntless prayer for others begins with honest confession of personal sin. You want to pray for other people. You want to pray for your spouse. You want to pray for your children. You want to pray for your family. You want to pray for your parents. You want to pray for your neighbors. You want to pray for a nation. Awesome, great, should. But let it start with your own personal confession of your sin. It has to begin there. Daniel didn't start praying and say, Oh, those wicked people. 
Daniel started and said, Oh God, I come to confess my sin first. This is where he started. He confessed his own sin. It's interesting how Jesus tells a story about two men in the New Testament. Two men who went to pray. And these two men had a very different approach to praying, Jesus said. One was a a Pharisee. And he stood up to pray. He, He stood up to pray to be recognized first. But he said, God, I thank you that I am not like others who are so sinful and wicked and unjust. I thank you that I'm not like them. Jesus said there was another man in the room. And he simply bowed his head, cried out to God, and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, the second man, he went away justified. He went away made right with God. In our day, boy, it is so easy to look out there and say, God, they've lost their minds out there. I say that, too. (laughs) They have lost their ever-loving minds. God, it would be tempting to say, thank you that I'm not like them. Right? Thank you that I'm not as terrible as them. It's tempting to pray that. But the real honest prayer that God hears and actually works in is the prayer that begins with God. I don't deserve your mercy. I begin by repenting of my own personal sin. Forgive me. I come to you. And this is where it starts. Daniel, wise Daniel. Daniel, the man of vast experience that you want to listen to. You want to hear what he has to say. You want to hear him pray for the people that are disinterested and distant. It starts with Daniel confessing his own sin. Verse 4, it goes on, or verse 5, and it says, Lord, he says, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Wow. Daniel. Maybe you shouldn't be so hard on yourself, Daniel. I mean, you're using some pretty strong words there, Daniel. I mean, sinned, committed iniquity, done wickedly, rebelled, departed from your precepts. Daniel doesn't soften the situation. Daniel doesn't justify himself. Daniel doesn't promise to do better. Daniel doesn't sidetrack the issue with using flowery words. He's straight up honest about his sin. He's straight up honest about what's happened. And he confesses it as sin, as iniquity, as rebellion. He calls it for what it is. He doesn't use any fancy psychological terminology to disguise it and make it sound better. He calls it what it is, sin. Lord, we have walked in disobedience. We have been unfaithful. We have acted wickedly. He calls it exactly what it is. He doesn't call it a dysfunction. He doesn't call it a disorder. He calls it sin. And man, in our day, 
People don't like to have it called out and called for what it is, sin. Rebellion against God. We come up with a lot of classy terms today that make it socially acceptable almost. Oh, I just have a behavioral dysfunction. Oh, you mean you're a sinner? Exactly. Well, I just have this disorder that makes me um, socially um, um, awkward and I speak out socially. No, that's just rudeness and you're sinful. That's what it is. You've been wicked. You're, you're rebelling against God. You're refusing to do what God's asked you to do. Whoa, wait a minute. Now you're getting unpolitically correct. Now you're getting unsocially acceptable. But that's what the Bible does. It doesn't have a lot of the terms that we've come up with today. It doesn't have a lot of the terms that we've come up with today to, to have a counselor fix, to have medication fix. We, we've got issues today, and God says, if you want to deal with these, you've got to come to the place where you quit labeling it, and labeling it as something that you're going to wear for the rest of your lives. You label it what it is. You call it sin, and you re- confess it and repent of it, and then you can be done with it. You see, if you call it anything else, if you call it a disorder, a dysfunction, a dysphoria, whatever you want to call it, and you brand yourself with that label, then you keep it for the rest of your life, and it becomes your justification for anything you do. Anything that you do that's wrong, you wear the label. You keep the dysfunction. Instead of saying, God, I have been disobedient to you. That's not something our nation wants to hear today. That's not something people are comfortable with today, just being called flat out sin, rebellion, wickedness. But Daniel gets right to the heart of it and he calls it that. Daniel didn't say, Lord, we've become socially dysfunctional through a disorder caused by a multidimensional deity system in which we live. He said, no, Lord, we've been wicked. We've pursued other gods. That's the simple way of saying what I just said. If we're going to see a fix, then we as the church have to get back to calling it what God calls it. Because see, when you call it for what it is, when we call it for what it is in our own life even, when you call it what it is, sin, then there's only one place you can go with it, to God. You, you, you can't take your sin and go see someone and hope they'll give you justification for it. You can't, you can't, you can't see it as sin and hope you can take some kind of medication that will ease it. You call it sin for what it is, and you repent of it because God's the only one who can fix that. He's the only one who's come to eradicate it and provide forgiveness for it. In fact, that's the only thing that can be done for it. And Daniel gets there with it. Dauntless prayer calls it sin with a curse, not a dysfunction with a side effect. It's a step we have to take as a church in our day to get to that place to ignore socially acceptable labels and make some decisions that put us on our face, on our knees before God. Here in two more weeks, we're going to be baptizing. And I've talked to a few folks already who are saying, you know what? I need to follow Christ in baptism. I need to make a break with my past and join up with what Christ is doing in my life now. And they're going to make a public statement right here.
I'm cutting with my past. Christ has called me, redeemed me, forgiven me, cleansed me. I'm going to walk in new life. That's really what baptism is a picture of. Cut with the past, join with the new. So, I'll just include this as part of the discussion right now. If God's working in your heart, calling you to that place, if you've never been baptized before, never put your faith in Jesus Christ, never called out to him, then I want you to come see me at some point today or this week. Call me, something, text me. I'd love to talk to you. Make the break with the past. Join up with what God's doing in your life. Find forgiveness and move on into all that he has for you. Join this group that's being baptized on November 4th. Make it a new day. Let's back to the passage here. I'm going to skip on down to verse 8 through 10. Daniel continues on here in the passage, and he says, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Wow, what powerful imagery. Daniel says, shame of face belongs to us. Shame of face. It's that moment where you are embarrassed. But more than embarrassed, you are ashamed. You've been caught in the act. You've all of a sudden become aware of what you've done. And you have this feeling. You know the feeling I'm talking about where it feels like every ounce of blood that's in you all of a sudden rushes to your face and you feel you know, red-faced. You feel ashamed. You don't want anyone to look at you. That is a response to God working in our life where God convicts you, God confronts you, and in that moment, you are very well aware that you desperately need him. This is what Daniel's talking about. But what's fascinating to me here in this passage is that it's not just Daniel saying them. Remember, Daniel's been the guy who's been faithful. Daniel's been the guy that God has worked through. Daniel's been the guy that has seen God do amazing things, and it's his people he's praying for. But look how he prays. He says, because we have sinned against you. He says, though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Daniel puts himself in the mix of praying for the others. If you want to get to a place in your life where you see God work in other people, you've got to get to the place where you stop making it all about them being all wrong and you being all right. You've got to get to the place where you pray, we together. Now, this isn't the only plural references in this verse. Let's show the next slide here so you can see what else is in this verse. Look at it. Oh, Lord, to us belongs shame of face. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, we have sinned. Our God, to the Lord, our God belongs mercy. Though we have rebelled, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God. Daniel puts himself in the mix. He doesn't stand afar off and pray for those terrible sinners. Thank you, Lord, I'm not like them. He doesn't do that. He recognizes his place. He comes in humbly, and he stands in the midst and prays 
we. You see, dauntless prayer humbly comes alongside and confesses sin as we. You want to pray for your spouse? You want to see God work in them? Change how you pray. Instead of saying, God, they, they need, they need this, they need that. Put yourself in the mix. Lord, we, we need to see you work. We have not been what you've called us to be. We have been disobedient. We have acted wickedly. When you put yourself in the mix, God changes his response. He loves to hear a heart that's humble. Pray. So if that's you as husband, husband, this is your moment to pray differently for you and your wife. Wife, if that's you, this is your moment to change how you pray for your marriage. Stop seeing him as all wrong and you all right. Put yourself in the mix and say, Lord, we have not been faithful. Remember, this is Daniel praying. And then, if it's your children you're praying for, say we. If it's your parents you're praying for, say we. If it's your family you're praying for, say we. If it's the nation you're praying for, put yourself in the mix. Put yourself in the middle of it. When the church gets to that place today where we stop pointing outside at them and we start saying we, us, we have been unfaithful to you. We have not followed you. We have not walked in your ways. God, what we are seeing today is a result of what we have done. We have not been faithful to you over the generations. Our nation has not. God, would you heal us? It changes the prayer. It changes the, the dynamic. It changes even God's response. Amen? He refers to him as we. And Daniel continues, verse 13, it says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, these 70 years of judgment. Yet, we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. They were facing some great troubles as a people. Again, they're, they're taken out of their land. They're far from home. Life was not like it used to be. They'd had financial collapse, governmental collapse, social collapse. Diseases had taken over them. They had lost everything that they once had. And it was all something that God's word had already defined. In Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole chapter there of blessings that come when they would follow him and curses that would come when they did not. I just want to read one of the verses that kind of sets up that whole passage. God said in Deuteronomy, It shall be if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Here's what he says. All these curses shall come on you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28 from 15 on is a list of curses that come upon his people and they describe in detail the social unrest that will happen 
the financial collapse that will come, the emotional and mental distress that will occur, the breakdown of the family, the perversion of marriage, diseases without cure, governmental collapse, military collapse, weather phenomenons, crop failure, unexplainable diseases, and attack from a foreign power. They're all listed there as this incredible warning If you don't walk in my ways, this is what will happen to you. And so when Daniel prays here, he says exactly what I just was reading. As it is written in the law of Moses, Daniel read it and he finally made the connection. He saw what was going on at the time. He said, this is what God's word had said. We are seeing, Daniel would say, exactly what God had said would happen because we've not walked in his ways. All this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God. He says, we are the reason this has happened. It's not just them. It's not just some series of unfortunate circumstances. This is not random. This is because we have not walked in God's ways. We've been disobedient to him. We have done wickedly. And he says, it is all there in God's word. If you want to have dauntless prayer, then you have to be able to connect disaster with disobedience and repent. You have to get to the place where you recognize what God said in his word, what's being done, and why it's happening. God, we have been disobedient. That's why this is happening. This is not just a social phenomenon we're seeing. This is not just a psychological condition. This is not something that others have done to us. This is something we have done ourselves. Daniel was saying, it's time for us as a people to own it, to quit blaming, quit justifying, quit trying to remove yourself out of the situation. Oh, I didn't have anything to do with it. it. It's time, Daniel was saying, to himself and about his people, it's time for us to own it. Let me just make a little application here today. Men, we'll start with us. The reason our, con- our land is in the condition it is today, men, is because we have not been spiritual leaders. We have not been sold out to Christ. We have let pleasure and prosperity be bigger gods than the Lord God himself. We have given up the responsibility for being a leader in our home. We have not sought God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are the ones. We have believed the lie. We have pushed him off to a a one-day-a-week relationship. We have been the ones who've been unfaithful. You see, that's where it starts. You recognize the disobedience that's caused the disaster, and then you repent of it and move on. Ladies, I'm not a lady, but I will speak for just a moment. of the sins that ladies in our day 
struggle with as well as men. Wives are called to be a picture of the church yielded to Christ. And so women today who are arrogant, self-strong, refusing to submit, antagonistic, critical, condemning, those represent just as much a failure as a man who refuses to walk in leadership in his own family represents failure. There's a calling upon our land. There's a calling upon us as the church. It's time for us to own it. It's time for us to own it. Young people, if you're not seeking God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you're putting what others think of you on social media above what God thinks of you in heaven, you're walking in sin. If you're putting others' approval ahead of God's approval, you're living wickedly. If you're not putting him first in all things, you've sinned. It's time for the church to own it. If we, as a church, are more concerned about our comfort than our convictions, then we are walking in sin. If we're, if we're more caught up in how we look on Sunday than how we live on Tuesday, we're missing out. We're walking in sin. We're the ones walking in wickedness. And God calls us out. Daniel, in his day, was calling them out. They just kept on living on in their stuff, and Daniel's calling them out, and he's repenting of his own sin too. You have to get to that place where you're utterly broken for your sin. You call it what it is. You stop putting clever names on it, and you own it, and you repent of it. This past week at our, uh, our men's breakfast, um, on Wednesday mornings we have a men's breakfast that meets at 6 a.m., some great breakfast and some great Bible study. So this past week we talked about this idea that, um, you know, in this day and time, 21st century America, uh, we're pretty smart. We've got a lot of technology, and uh, we can do a lot of things. And one of the things that we do in life, which is necessary, is to decide on what is the best choice. Man, it's the day of endless products, endless vehicles to buy. You can, you know, use new, and then there's brands galore. I, I didn't even get to look at all the cards at the fair yesterday. It was so crowded. But man, you, you have to make choices this day. If you'd say, oh, I'm gonna buy a computer, well, which kind of computer are you going to buy? Right. Are you gonna go with the PC group or the Apple group? No debate, please. So, I mean, you got to make those decisions, right? If you say, I want to buy a vacuum cleaner, well, you're going to go to Walmart, wherever you go, and you're probably going to spend another 20 minutes figuring out which one of those you're going to buy because they've got all different kinds, all different prices, all kinds of features, you know. It's just what we do in this culture. We have to make those kind of decisions. Am I going to go with this or am I going to go with that? And we have to make those choices, and we have to analyze it, do a little bit of research, compare what this one does with this one. Those are all great if you're buying products, but I'm going to tell you this. When it comes to following God, you better not carry that same mindset over. 
You don't open the scripture and say, well, you know what? There's a lot of commands in here. Let's see, which one of these am I going to do this week? I think I'm going to read the Bible and I'll just see what God has to say. And I'm going to think about it a while. I'm going to analyze it a while. I'm going to consider it a while. I'm going to do a little background checking on it for a while. I'm going to ask some other people what they think about it for a while. And, and then what happens is you for a while yourself into disobeying God. That's what happens. Because you keep putting it off, you keep analyzing it, and you do this. You end up stepping back like you're some independent third party on the situation analyzing it. Hmm, I wonder what God really means by that. Boy, you sound so intellectual in that moment. You sound so high-minded in that moment. I'm just going to have to pray about this and see what God really means in this. No, why don't you just read where it says, Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and do that thing. You don't have to think about it, pray about it, wonder about it, read about it. Just do it. Amen? So, so you got to be careful. Don't approach God like you're approaching a vacuum cleaner. Those are two very, very different things. And don't even bring that way of thinking in. You may go to Walmart with all that stuff. You may go to work with all that stuff, and you should, and your boss will be happy if you do. But if, if you try to walk into the presence of God as the analyzer instead of the obeyer, you'll miss out. That's what the people in Daniel's day had done, and Daniel is calling it all out. And he's owning every bit of it. He's not the third party consultant on the situation removed from it. He's inside it with his people, confessing what they aren't even able to confess because of their sin. He's entering in on their behalf, crying out for them. This is where he finds himself. Get down to the end of the passage today, and I know I've skipped over a lot in, the, in chapter 9, but you get down to verse 19, and I almost wish I had a recording of Daniel praying here at this point. I wish I could hear his tone of voice. I wish I could hear the desperation the passion, the, the humility mixed with a little frustration, desperation. Verse 19, he says, Oh Lord, hear, hear us. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay. For your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Do you see how many times your is used here? It's for your glory, Lord, for your name's sake, your city, your people. It's so easy to get caught up in. Lord, I need your help in my finances. Lord, I need your help in my marriage. Lord, I need your help in my emotions. Lord, I need your help in my relationships. And we think that he exists for our sake. Because I want life to be better. 
Where? God, help me, my. And Daniel says, God, I pray all of this, not for our sake, but your sake, your will, your people, your purposes. Boy, it's easy to get those things reversed, to get it switched around, to think that, God, I don't know why you've done this to me. I've been so faithful. Huh? What? Just listen to yourself when you say that. God, I don't know why this is happening to me. I've been so faithful to you. Just listen to that. Do you hear what's wrong with that? It makes us good, him bad. Daniel turns it around in the way it's supposed to be. Lord, I'm crying out for your mercy because we have been bad. We have been wicked. I'm crying out for your sake, not our sake. Your will, not our will. And this is how Daniel prays. So if you're praying for your marriage, God, for your great name's sake, would you forgive us? Would you heal our marriage for your sake? so that others will see you? God, I'm praying for my children. For the sake of your fame and name, forgive them, heal them. God, I'm praying for our nation. For the sake of your glory and your fame, forgive us and heal us. It's a different way to pray, but this is how Daniel prayed. He said, we. He confessed his sin. He called it sin. And he cried out for God's glory to be seen. Now today, I want us to do just what Daniel did. We're going to take some time here in just a moment to pray. And here's what I would ask. If you want to pray by yourself, that's completely fine. If you would like to pray with your spouse, that's awesome. If you want to get together your whole family and pray, that's great. If you want to get with some friends and pray, do that. But I would ask you to pray after the model that we've seen Daniel pray today. Let's not pray just for them. Let's pray and repent as us and as we. Let's not pray for our sake, but for his sake. Amen? And let's let this characterize what we do today. I'm going to pray first, and then I'll ask you to get together in groups if you'd like. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, this morning we recognize what you've called us to. And we recognize the holy calling of your word that is greater than what we do in our own ways. And we're so tempted to point at others when we should be confessing as we. We're so tempted to make it all about us when it's really all about you. So God, we come to repent, to pray, to pray as Daniel did, that you might be glorified for your name's sake. We pray in Christ's name, amen.
I want to give you some time right now. You go ahead and gather up in groups, whatever you'd like to do, and pray. After we've had some time to pray, Mr. Kyle Rogers, one of our elders here at the church, is going to lead us in a prayer time. You gather up. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.